0: That's what I think masculinity actually is. It's, we're supposed to be keepers of the garden. That's, that's the job that was specifically given to Adam. And Eve has this remarkably significant job as well, but that's the job. And that's why Adam is held responsible when he's so passive and doesn't defend Eve from the intruder. Like he's right there with her uh, and, and it does nothing. So God's like, Adam, where are you? He's coming, after, he's coming after Adam because he was made to be the keeper of the garden hello
1: and welcome to the union podcast my name is brian pew and i am one of the co-founders of the union movement uh my wife bonnie and i we started the union just to help people find wholeness and sexuality identity and relationships with a biblical and gospel-centered approach and so we're so glad you joined us here today if this is the first time you've checked out the union podcast we welcome you here and we hope that this is a uh just an encouraging conversation for you a life-giving conversation for you today and uh, if you're a return listener, welcome back. We so appreciate you. And uh, we'd love it if you would comment and uh, subscribe and share this podcast uh, just wherever uh, wherever you can. And just try to get this before more and more people as we want to help uh, the most people we can find wholeness in those areas of life. Uh, today, I'm sitting down to talk with Brant Hansen, and we're talking uh, about his new book, The Men We Need. God's purpose for the manly men, the avid indoorsmen, and any man willing to show up. I think we're living in a time of cultural confusion when it comes to what uh, genuine manhood is. And what I love about this book and this conversation uh, that we have with Brant is that he really lays out some practical practical aspects of genuine biblical godly manliness uh, that I think is going to be helpful for a lot of people, going to bring some freedom. And, and also bring an invitation to maybe go deeper and go further than you have been in your identity as a man. So without further ado, this is episode 66 with Brant Hansen. All right, everyone, welcome to the Union Podcast. And I'm here with Brant Hansen, and he is the author of the book, The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Men, the Avid Indoorsmen, and Any Man Willing to Show Up. Brand, thank you so much for joining uh, joining us here on the Union Podcast.
0: Thanks, man. Honored. Yeah. So you hail from Florida. That's where I live now. I'm originally from the great American Midwest, little Come towns on. in Illinois and Indiana. But yeah, I live in South Florida now. And it's pretty nice down here. So I believe say, it. Yeah. I believe it, man.
1: That's so good. Um tell us a little bit about your family. Like tell us a little bit about your story and and just kind of who you are.
0: Sure, um, I'm married. We're about to have our thirty second anniversary. Um, wow. we got a grown two grown up kids, boys in med school. uh daughter is expecting her baby, she and her husband they live here in town, and she was due like three days ago, so it could be in any second. Wow, uh, we could get the text or something but um yeah, so that's that's me um and I do radio stuff and I work with cure yeah Uh, this hospital network that's global and is all about healing and and telling people about the kingdom of god so that's what i get to do
1: i love that how did you get connected with cure
0: you know it was weird i was MC in this concert which i should never do i'm terrible MC, but that's not the point but they had me go out they're like hey tell everybody to text this or that and then they can give to cure and i was like no because i don't know what cure is like what, what is it right when they explained it to me i was like wait a second that sounds exactly like Jesus to me, Like literally these are permanent hospitals where we bring in uh, kids that have correctable disabilities and we do free surgeries. Wow. Like orthopedic and neurosurgeries, the treatment, the care, they're, they're prayed over. The, the families who thought their kids were cursed are now told, your kid's not cursed at all. Wow. God actually loves you. And he draws close to the brokenhearted and it's oh. all done for free. We, we explain the gospel that all the kids, that parents are in devotionals. We love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do about 13,000 procedures a year, surgeries. These are, again, these are top flight hospitals in the poorest places in the world. And they're all about Jesus. Yeah. So it's remarkable. And when, once I saw that, I visited the hospital in Afghanistan a few times. Um, and that's why I got, you know, flipped my switch when I saw what that looked like, uh, loving these women and children in Afghanistan was, was obviously something that's pretty impactful.
1: Oh, that's real, man. That's very real. So on top of being not only a husband, a dad, and a soon to be soon to be grandfather, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. You are also, yeah. like you mentioned, you're a radio show host. Uh, you host a podcast with your friend, Sherry Lynn and uh, the Branton Sherry Oddcast. I love it. Tell us a little bit about the podcast <laughs> vision and, and everything you guys do there.
0: Well, it's, it's, it's taken from our radio show, like what's a roundup of everything we do on the show. And then we add some extra stuff to it that we can do only on podcast, but, um, we're very goofy. She's actually a comedian, um, stand up. I've done some uh, of that and it's a very goofy show, but it's also very overtly about Jesus. So yeah it's 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 cool because we're on christian radio honestly a lot of christian radio stations don't talk about jesus that much that's the kind of thing for me like i know right why well this is this is the world needs to hear this he's the best news ever his kingdom is beautiful let's tell people so that's what we do and it's a it's a mix of all that so it takes us it's a niche you know for people that you have to have a monty python type sense of humor and then also be somebody who's okay with talking about jesus himself so yeah yeah, it's good
1: yeah i did have a chance to check out a couple of your episodes and it's a real good time i gotta say that it's a good 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 time (laughs) thanks
2: (laughs) thanks (laughs) that's
1: awesome and even on that note of of you know your um you know co-host and longtime friend here sherry lynn i was so impacted as she wrote the foreword for your book that we're gonna jump into here today um but i just wanted to read this because i think it's such a testimony a uh, testament to who you are as a man. And so I'm just going to read this, this one portion for forward. And I hope, hope it's not awkward for you.
2: <laughs> so No, that's that's cool. That's
1: good. But I was just so, so impacted by it. So Sherry Lynn writes, she says, I was in his home less than 10 minutes when I saw it. I saw what I believe to be the true definition of a man. It wasn't him running around, fixing things or watching sports. It was the way his daughter and his wife looked at him. There was love. Yes. There was adoration. Sure. But there was something I consider infinitely more valuable safety. They were safe with him. It's important to know that when I say safety, I'm speaking of more than just a physical safety. You can get that from ADT. I mean, they were secure in his presence. Only a deeply faithful man can provide women with that. I go, mm-hmm. bro as a man to another man, I salute you, dude. That's, well, that's, that's what I,
2: what
0: it is. It's such a, it's such a sweet thing to say. And the backdrop for that too, is that she's from a family of, you know, athletes and, you know, miners and metal workers and whatnot. Uh, and so she was struck by entering my domain by working on my show. I have puppets. I play the flute, like so, so she was contrasting all of that. Not that, not that the other stuff isn't manly, but just to go, okay, what is real masculinity? Because you you can be all sorts of different personality types. Totally. You don't have to be somebody that can fix stuff. I don't have any awesome tats. Like I said, I don't have tattoos, but it's not because I would disagree with them per se. It's just, I'm scared. I'll get something and then want something else. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all. Well,
1: but, it's, it's th- true. Like I've heard people say one tattoo leads to two and two leads to 20. So
0: totally i would start with like gimli or somebody from lord of the rings and then i'd want frodo and then, of course sam and like so i could see where that's going but yeah. i think i think to her she's the one that really encouraged me to write the book because of that she's like mm-hmm. so i was i was telling her well that's that's what i think masculinity actually is it's we're supposed to be keepers of the garden yeah that's that's the job that was specifically given to adam and eve has this remarkably significant job as well but that's the job. And that's why Adam is held responsible when he's so passive and doesn't defend yeah. Eve from the intruder. Like he's right there with her.
2: hmm Uh
0: and, and it does nothing. So God's like, Adam, where are you? He's coming after he's coming after Adam because he was made to be the keeper of the garden. And, yeah. and that to me is kind of the nubbin of it. And Sherry was like, you know what? You should probably write about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what was it like with you personally, like your own maybe your own journey with it that just you know, gave you, um, you know, just the perspective to write it, write a book on this. What was it about your own story?
0: Well, my dad was a pastor and, uh, but our, but our home was not a, uh, not a safe place. I went through a couple of divorces and right. some trauma and whatnot. I've, I've forgiven him and, and love him. Uh, but I remember the feeling of insecurity in my own home. And I remember as a kid, even thinking, you know what? if I ever get married and have kids, it's not going to be like this. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to be feeling a gut punch. If your dad's home, you know, like, Oh, uh, <laughs> so that's what I've set out to do as a dad. And so I wanted the kids coming in or when I came home, I wanted them to be like, Hey, dad's here. All right. Good stuff. So, you know i still want to be the disciplinarian and whatnot appropriately but i wanted them to feel safe with me yeah and uh so that does it that did inform where i'm coming from in this and i'm not i'm not a huge guy or anything i'm five foot ten 160 i'm not massive i'm not physically imposing i have neurological problems where i can't even see straight. like my literally my eyes move back and forth and so i can't hunt um, cause it's a little dangerous for the humans, at least around <laughs> Right. the animals right. are safe, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my background. That's where I'm coming from by writing about this.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think that what you just said is just so important because we have this model of what manhood is. And, you know, you even kind of mentioned it in the dedication of the book, like this is for guys who maybe don't bench press 400 pounds, you know what I mean? Or, right. You know, because like, yeah. you kind of made it like manhood is like, you know, a big truck, bench press a lot, and chug a beer really fast. You know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> and,
0: and and it's funny because you're exactly right. Um, it, it's funny because the culture, though, has has deconstructed masculinity. And a lot mm. of that is really good. As you know, like a lot of that toxic stuff is toxic. Mm-hmm. It is wrong. But mm-hmm. okay, deconstruction is a lot easier than construction. Right. Like, I, right. I know this from building... Duplo towers or Lego towers with my kids when they're little. Like it takes an, an hour to get the thing really, really high, but it's just one, one slap and a bunch of giggles and it's all destroyed. Like that's fun, but it, the construction piece is the, the problem. Like, so as a guy, we're left like, so what's the what's the box top of the puzzle? Mm. Where can we look at the thing? And I, I do think that, that idea of of the specific job that Adam was given is it. Yeah. I think that's it. So so we can take whatever skills we have, whatever quirks we have, whatever characteristics we have, and become somebody who protects our garden and mm-hmm. cultivates it so that the people in it around us, vulnerable people around us, actually flourish and yeah. they bloom. And yeah. and wonderful things happen because we're actually doing our job.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, in the, in your book, you you mentioned you're trying to skip past the arguments that are currently raging about gender, and you know all it takes is a few minutes on Twitter. You know what I mean? And on the, on totally. that topic, and uh, you realize that there are some very polarizing perspectives when we say masculinity. Um, like you already mentioned, the toxic masculinity essentially when uh, children just get bigger and they don't really become men; they just stay selfish little boys um, mm-hmm. who just want their own desires satisfied at any means, uh, or by any means necessary. And, um, you know, but, but how do you, how do you really approach this? Like while still staying, like still carrying a strong sense of presence and being who God's called you to be without, without, uh, without leaning into that, that ditch, I I guess.
0: Okay. Well, you mean the ditch of getting in the arguments about gender theory sort of stuff or, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just, I, I'm being upfront. Like I'm not making the arguments. There's so many other people that do such a great job theologically. Uh, you know, th- they can, they can write on this with depth, with mm-hmm. understanding of Hebrew and Greek and all that. Like That's not me at some point though. Like guys actually have to know how to, how to live. Yeah. So I don't want to just add one more book to say, Hey, here's why male and female matters. I mean, that these books are important. They're needed. It's just not, This is not what my book is. Sure. So that's why I'm trying to tell people up front, like if you want to dispute the idea that masculine and feminine even have meaning or like in Genesis 127, where it says God's image is both male and female. Mm. And if you want to dispute that those words have any content behind them at all, this is not the book for, I'm not going to argue about it. Right. What I want to do is go straight to the point to actually help guys have a, have a vision where they can go, Oh, I get it. I get it. I know what I'm supposed to be doing now. And thankfully that's been the way it's worked out. I mean, it's been out for just a, a few weeks, but, um, people get it. Yeah. And, and they see, and they really see a need for this. And I haven't been dragged into, in, into arguments about it, which is wonderful.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I think nobody wins, you know, sometimes in those, some of those debates that are just, you know, emotionally charged, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, if people can have them, it's just like, but that's not, everybody's got a role. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I just don't feel like that's my role is to go back over academic ideas. My my goal, at least, is when we say, okay, Jesus is not like John Wayne. Mm-hmm. To go, that is so true. That is right. Okay, but what is mas? What's beautiful and distinctly masculine? And if you can't right. articulate it, we got a problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying I'm just taking a shot at articulating something that's specifically beautifully masculine. And it just so happens that the women who read this book are like, I'm buying eight and yeah. I'm airdropping it over my neighborhood or whatever, because it, right. it, it resonates with women when they hear this message. I think it's really interesting.
1: Well, I, absolutely. I think um, you know, I not that we maybe need to go down this road entirely, but you know, I think even in the aspects of feminism within the time like there's there's been good waves of feminism that needed to bring you know a sense of dignity back to women um absolutely but -hmm, but i think there's i think there's you know in the extremes in any you know in any topic really there's extremes that are not healthy and i i had somebody who say who said once or i knew somebody who said once like feminism was not started by a woman it was started by a man who didn't love his wife and I mean, like this extreme kind of like hatred towards men, the man, the man hater, and just this goal to like demean that like women only get better by cutting men down. You know what I mean? And, um and I think it's just so true because I think that's the type of character that we see in Jesus is that he wasn't that, you know what I mean? He, right. he, he, oh, right, right. he sacrificially laid down his life um for this bride, his church, you know what I mean? As a, as a type and a shadow of what real manhood is, you know?
0: Yeah, I think, I think when, when you flesh out what it means to be a keeper of the garden too, this is not domineering. No, exactly. This is, again, I'm creating a space for, for vulnerable people to thrive. That's what I feel like my job with Cure is. Like, Even though I'm not a He-Man, can't fix anything, can't hunt, we went down the list, like, but I have words. Yeah. So I can tell people about this and raise more support so we can pay more surgeons, so we can heal more kids together. Yeah. So they can walk And not be made fun of anymore, and like people are praising God. Like so, I get to use whatever skills I have for the vulnerable. So that's what it means to be a keeper of the garden. There's species in a garden that will not survive in the wilderness. That's the thing about being a gardener is you you create a space for those things to to thrive. Mm -hmm. If I'm somebody, unless you're extremely ideological, you would have to say if men embodied that what I'm talking about, protecting and cultivating a place for the vulnerable to thrive in their families, their neighborhoods, schools, every, unless you're extremely ideological, you'd have to go, wow, if guys did that, we'd be a lot better off. Yeah. And you're right. I think a lot of the reaction to any expression of masculinity being negative is because we have blown it. Oh, totally. And It is. It's an absolutely natural reaction. Like why do we need men for if This is what you think masculinity is. We don't. And they're right. If If we have a cartoon idea of masculinity, they're right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, in this hour and this time what's so important is men of God to stand up in the character of God and lead, you know, the lead the way Christ did and um and be present the way that Christ did. Cause like I, I'm just so taken back at some of the the you know documentation and the of the story of, of Jesus and the gospels. Like he was so like approachable by children. He's saying, No, 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 don't don't, don't tell the children to go away. Bring them over here, you know, right? He wasn't some Big shot, you know, traveling speaker. You know, it's like who's just trying to work the room and work the angle. He's just like, I'm going to stop and pause and and bless children. I go like, my goodness, like that's that's something else.
0: How about like I marvel at this—the woman at the well who's got this terrible sexual reputation. This woman, and he breaks all the rules, Mm -hmm. and she becomes the first missionary in history. Is a woman with a terrible reputation mm-hmm. that's not an accident and what i love is in the story i only noticed it fairly recently but where um they actually asked jesus to stay with them there in their village and uh i would never noticed that before and then jesus says yes i will and so wow. he stays with him for a few days
2: mm-hmm.
0: like i love that I, and yeah there's so much about jesus character that is like a reflection of the Adam that we're supposed to be, who is a keeper of the garden and who does cultivate and allow people to flourish. And he's a healing influence, like yeah. and a protector. Yeah. A protector of the woman that's being about to be stoned, for instance, like that's, that is, that is a brilliant representation of masculinity.
1: Totally. Totally. And you know, this is kind of even a side note, I guess on that, that story, like I've just I'm thinking too, it's like Jesus wasn't afraid. To go, like you say, kind of break all the rules on a on a couple different level of social rules and just historical realities of that time. But you know, I just think of it, his interaction with that woman has who has a a story, has a back a backdrop to her life that isn't pretty. Um, you know, and I compare that to sometimes what we tell men who might be dealing with issues of lust and stuff like that. So, like, I'm assuming that this woman would be pretty. Like, you don't have all these men as you know. Um, you know, in all these different relationships, if you're not attractive, you know, right? Like, I, I would just assume so. And maybe I'm wrong, but, um, and like we would tell guys that, hey, gay, okay, bounce your eyes, you know, you know, just like, you know, pull your, your purity band, you know what I mean? Just get out of that situation, you know what I mean? And I guess at some point, like, if you can't control your desires, there's wisdom with that. Get out of that, that scenario. Right. But I go, Jesus looked her in the eye and brought mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. and dignity. And, um, and wasn't intimidated by her story, but had, he had purity cultivated in his own heart that he saw a a daughter, a daughter of God who has been broken and had been used and had been lied to. And he was willing to step into that place, you know, and show the reality reality of God.
0: Yeah. And it's one of the things I talk about in the book too. I give a scenario where a guy, I was, I was like, a woman is scantily clad and a guy looks at her and fantasizes about her so Mm -hmm. whose fault is it is it 50 50 is it 90 10 like it's kind of her fault she's dressed that way i'm like no the correct answer is it's a hundred percent his fault and this is because we actually do have free will when it comes to what we do with our minds Mm -hmm. we actually do Mm -hmm. and i'm telling guys it's not a guilt trip it's good news yeah. You're not just reductive, like you can appreciate that wow, that is a very attractive woman and not go there in your mind. You do absolutely. have the free will. And it's actually freeing to know that. And you're right, it's a it's a discipline. It's a it's a matter of heart change over time and mm-hmm. what we're practicing in our heads. I know this from experience, like we all do. Oh yeah. Like absolutely. So I, I want guys to actually be empowered that way. Just this is your saying, like we can be more Christ-like in that way and actually see someone differently as a result of that continual discipline about our mindset it yeah. is doable
1: yeah absolutely absolutely now in your book you have six uh decisions that will set men apart and i, I just thought it'd be really cool we just kind of walk through them and you kind of just give her an, give us an overview i know this is like the sub the kind of key substance of your book um but number one forsake the fake and relish the real unpack that for us
0: yeah this is a big deal you know i mean I'm, I'm 52 about to be a grandpa, but I grew up with video games playing them as a kid. I mean, that's, that's where we are. So it, I don't think video games are evil. I just played FIFA today. Um, I enjoy it. It's, but I I was kind of warning guys, like the the problem with video games is they're too awesome. Yeah. I mean, literally they're just, they're too much fun. You get to level up, you get dopamine hits so quickly, but in real life, it doesn't work that way, Mm. but you don't want to look back at age 70 and go, Oh gosh, all my adventures were virtual. The things that God gives you a desire to do things. Don't make it. That's, that's one aspect of it. The other is the obvious with pornography, but there's, I actually have some good news about that. I was trying to share with guys like, um, so much of our, uh, so much of our, some of our mental problems or struggles come from, um, allowing ourselves to be addicted. Mm. Um, and, it's so much changes. I, the reason I say this is good news is because there's a whole Reddit thread. It's not even religious in nature where people have moved on from pornography and they're, they're, they're talking each other through it. Mm-hmm. And it's got hundreds of thousands of people in that thread that, that subscribe to it, but they share their experiences. And it's wild because somebody will say, two months ago, I was a different person. I've been, I've been off of pornography for two months. I have more energy. Mm-hmm. I'm kinder, I have more confidence, I can focus on my... It's amazing. I include some of those stories in there. It's like so much of the stuff that's holding us back is just a little thing. And the other the, the other thing i was trying to say is you can make huge progress in that area just by changing your schedule around. Yeah. That's it. Like it's wild how your mindset can change just because you're busy and you've got other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. And I use the example of, I I was a youth pastor, not a very good one for a while. Um, But I did it for about four years and I enjoyed a lot of it, but I took uh, some guys and some girls and some adults on a, on a trip to Mexico to build a house, you know, like you do. And uh, it was hot and it was dusty and it was busy. And we were, we were mixing our own cement by hand and everything. We were just tired. At the end of the week, I turned to these guys that I have a good relationship with and I actually said, Hey, is, I was curious because it's always lust is always the t- number one topic, you know? Sure, it's like, sure. Has that been a big issue for you this week? And they all were like, Whoa, no, mm-hmm. no, it hasn't. We've been, and they were, they laughed about it. Like, we've been so busy working and laughing and eating and, and being tired. Yeah. And serving. Yeah. Yeah. It was a schedule change. So I, I just, there is some good news about that, but I'm trying to tell guys like you do not, the, the upshot from that decision is valuing real life versus fake things. Yeah. Uh, and, and a real woman will change you versus the fake. That's the thing as you know, and you guys spend a lot of time on this is focus mm-hmm. on what you're doing, but you know, a, a fake woman or a fake relationship will not call you out to be a man. Will not challenge you will not argue with you will not uh, make you get up at 2am you know because she's not feeling well and you need to go to to the pharmacy or something like that's real relationship that will help you change and grow up the fake stuff will just leave us alone and they'll leave us lonely old men is what they'll leave us yeah so yeah
1: yeah absolutely i'm trying to think the character's name in peter pan like the the girl's name is it mary
0: Mary sounds right, but I don't think I've ever actually read it or seen the show. Well, I I heard somebody
1: making a connection to like, you know, the lost boys in Neverland and they get Tinkerbell, you know, who's kind of like this,
2: interesting, pretty
1: pretty attractive, you know what I mean? Like, um, and and then this, this other, this character shows up, you know, and the the whole family comes in and I'm totally butchering the story. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But like this, this, this lady shows up, or this young lady shows up and Peter Pan's like interested in her, but he realizes he's got to grow up together. Ah. And it's like, it's like, if you stay, if you just stay, you know, pacified with immaturity or mm-hmm. just like, Hey, I'm just going to just live for myself. It's like, yeah, you, you mm-hmm. get, you get Tinkerbell, but to actually get something real and something, um, you know, something beautiful and and not that tinkerbell is not attractive and i think in some ways like pornography is is attracting because it appeals to a god-given sexual desire but it's not it's just not real you know what i mean right. and but oh, i think right i think if you as we grow up and we choose maturity we actually get really what we're looking for you know what i mean absolutely and we, get, we get the real so
0: That is exactly right. Um, It's funny. I I quoted some author. I can't remember. It was Kurt Ronagut or somebody. He had an exchange between two guys. And it was back in the day when people had magazines or whatever. And Mm -hmm. one guy's like, hey, check out this girl and holds up the magazine picture. And the other guy's like, that's not a girl. That's a piece of paper. Yeah. It's a good word. Like, that is a good. Yeah. I was like, that is, that's right. That's not a girl. Those are pixels. You're being (laughs) faked out again and again, you're left by yourself and that's where sin always is. It's just a little taste of hell mm-hmm. because it's always isolating. Yeah. It's it always looks like the real thing. And then it's not, And it's it's a sucker punch. So that's why yeah. I'm saying embrace the, embrace the real and forsake the faith. I love it.
1: I love it. I think we could do a whole episode just
0: on that, but totally yeah. uh,
1: point two is protect the vulnerable, protect the vulnerable.
0: Yeah, that's a, uh, that's, a big part of it right i mean i talked about being a keeper of the garden and mm. this being your role and i especially want to tell young guys like it's it's really wild that young men are the source of so much crime yeah. because it is i mean just statistically and when people see a 22 year old guy walking in the neighborhood a lot of times like oh what they should say is oh i'm so glad he's here right because if you because you're in your physical prime Mm-hmm. And you're given a, a desire to take risks and whatnot. That's that's why, you know, that's the best age to be a soldier, for instance. Like, these are the right. best soldiers. Like, if you understand what your role is. Yeah. So they should, the, your neighborhood should be safer, whatever age you are, or whatever your skills are. Your neighborhood should be safer because you're there.
1: Yeah. Absolutely,
0: and you are going to protect children. You're going to protect women. You're going to be on the lookout for that sort of thing. I'm not. That's not a joke. It's like a serious thing to be aware of what's going on because most people aren't.
1: No, no.
0: So this is a. This is very key. Obviously, the vulnerable people in your sphere as well are. If you're married, it's your wife. It's it's kids Mm -hmm. in your home. Um, it's pretty much everybody that's around you. But I think that's a big part of it. One quick story. I wanted to tell you, I start the book with a story, but it was so interesting to me in college. We did a tour of the women's house across the street. It was like where I went to the university of Illinois. They had a men's Christian house and a women's, but we did a tour. The same poster was in every girl's room. Hmm. And I was like, what, what is the deal with this poster? And it was a poster of a guy. It's a, it's, he's turned to the side. It's like a profile and he's holding a baby Wow. And I was like, what? So I was laughing, just like, we we're all like, well, what is the deal? I'm, I'm sure this guy's attractive. And they were like, yeah, he's attractive, but it's not him. It's the way the baby's looking at. Him. That's wow. what makes him so hot. Hmm. I thought, well, that's really interesting. And that's the best selling poster in the history of posters. It turns out it's called L'Enfant. It was taken by a French uh, photographer. No way! But if you can go online, you can see it. Now, the, the guy's I'm sure attractive, but there's a million male models. The point is, the baby's looking up at him, clearly so vulnerable, but making eye contact. Like, I know you're going to protect me. Yeah, and women resonate with that. Yeah. So I'm telling guys, whether whether you're handsome or not, almost doesn't matter, mm-hmm. because if you embody this security thing, women find that very attractive. And your mm-hmm. wife, what you can have a pot belly if you're. Or you can have ripped abs. If you have ripped abs and you don't make your wife feel secure, you flirt with other women, she's not going to be attracted to you. No, no, absolutely. So this is actually good news for people who don't look like Captain America or whatever it's like. That's not actually deep down what women are looking for. No. And as I say that, I know this from women who've told me this, of course, but also just the reaction to this book, again, is huge. From women, they're going, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. that's what we're that's what we are looking for deep down and so it's i think it's intuitive for them and it's good for guys to know that this is actually what they are recognizing as masculine
1: oh that's so good that's so good so you also point three here is be ambitious about the right things and it just comes to mind like um without vision people cast off restraint. You know what I mean? Um, totally. but like, how, how do you see that playing out? And how do you, how do you when you're kind of speaking to young people or speaking to just men in general, how do you encourage them to be ambitious about the right things? And what, how do you determine what those right things
0: are? I got younger guys in my neighborhood. Hey, I tell them to pray for wisdom because God will give it to you and you mm-hmm. need it. You have to ask God for wisdom. It's the life-giving thing that will sustain mm-hmm. you and the people around you. And if you don't have it, you're a fool. And foolishness always causes pain, always. Mm -hmm. So ask God for wisdom so that you know what's important. And that's my functional definition of wisdom is knowing relative values of things. So this matters, this doesn't. If you're ambitious about the wrong things, you will have regrets the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that, I've got guys in my neighborhood I talk to, they got little kids in the house. And I'm like, I've been through this. Let me tell you something. Make every decision you can to free yourself up time wise so you can be with them. Yeah. Don't buy a super nice truck that's going to obligate you to sustain a lifestyle. Don't get a big house. Don't, not now. You can have truck season later, but you're, the season of life you're in right now is little kid season. Yeah. wow. Wait. So wisdom will tell you that. Like, I don't have to do everything right now. This is a season in life. So I'm telling guys, like, well, you mean, if I don't take this job, we'll just you know I'll have a have to drive a '96 Corolla. I'm like, drive a '96 Corolla. Yeah. Who cares? What are you, James James Bond? You got to have an Aston Martin or something. <laughs> and the other thing is like, well then I'll have to live in a trailer. So, right, do it. Right, we won't have vacations. I don't care. Your vacation will be hooking up the sprinkler to your trailer and having your trailer kids jump through and laughing about it and making some burgers and hanging out with your wife. Cause you're not under stress. That's the time yeah. to do. You got to make these decisions now. Mm-hmm. So pray for wisdom, make sure you're ambitious about the right things at the right time. Cause life is very seasonal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that hit that hits home for me because I, I didn't, I didn't mention this in our conversation before we started, but my wife and I, we have six boys and oh
0: dude yeah that's fantastic yeah awesome oh my goodness
1: we have twin boys that turned 13 this year and um and it's like i had so many men you know in in my church and just in my life are saying like hey man like watch out the days are gonna go by you know right like it's it's gonna go by in a blink of an eye and you know just be careful make the most of your time and i wouldn't believe them you know what i mean because it's like when you're in diaper mode and we had twins it's just like these days are very, very long. But um, yes. that's when I realized that the days are long when it comes to parenthood, but the years are short. And that's
0: that's right.
1: And it just goes by so quickly. And I go, um, you know, I, my wife and I've been talking a lot. I don't want to take too much more time on this, but like my wife are just talking about how many more summers we have with our kids. It was at, mm-hmm. least, at least with our twins is like, is about six. We have six summers left of summer vacation and camping and, things like that. And I go, man, it puts an urgency, you know, on choosing the right things and, uh, sacrificing for, you know, not necessarily not sacrificing necessarily, um, bad things, but sacrificing the good things for the best things, you know,
0: for the best things. And you don't get this back. That's right. So that's what I'm saying. the regrets going forever, they get one shot at having a dad and that's Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. So how valuable is that versus, versus purchasing decisions and the other thing is too what's weird in my own life has been i opted to take a very low paying job at where i was done about noon every day i'm not kidding it's a morning show job and we barely made it but i Mm -hmm. had every afternoon with my kids yeah every afternoon as they grew up but that was the right decision i didn't know where my retirement was going to come from i didn't know but it's funny because now the kids are out of the house we're catching up. Wow. Like it's it has worked. I am so thankful, but I tell guys like that was of all the things I have screwed up and there are many, that was a good decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So good, man. Oh, you know, we've, we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but like make women and children feel safe and not threatened. Um, how do, yeah, how do you, I how do you communicate that to guys? Like when it's a lot of times when we say we're going to be a protector, it's like, well, you got to get your shoulders back. You got to look intimidating and keep the bad guys away. You know, how do you, so how do you unpack that?
0: I read this in another guy's book and I put, I put it in there with the reference, but it was so good. Of course we think, well, if somebody comes in my house and tries to mess with my wife or kids, I'll defend them to the, you know, to the death. Of course we'll say that. And that's true. I think for most of us like that, yeah. But most of the time it doesn't happen. Hmm. And one guy had a realization, I quoted him in the book, but he said, I realized that the intruder is me. Wow. Because it, it's it's my words. It's my lack of response. My lack of blessing my kids. My lack of blessing my wife. My words actually hurt. Mm-hmm. I can. And he said, the intruder who needs to die is actually me as a sinner. Wow. that's what needs to die like me being a jerk i need to be more compassionate i need to have mercy on my family so that's one of the things i'm I'm saying too because you can you can say you know i've got a shotgun i'll protect the house okay but most of the time they can feel insecure because of your anger issues your stuff mm-hmm. that you're bringing into the house they don't feel secure because your wife wonders if you have a straying eye for instance she doesn't feel secure so usually it's you Mm -hmm. so that's just something i wanted to make sure is clear because when i had read that i thought oh my goodness that's right it's helped me think in my interactions with the people around me how do i build them up instead of make them feel more vulnerable right so i hope that makes it
1: oh it totally does and i think oh man i think this is just this is the issue isn't it it's like you know, Adam's sin, you know, is very unique and I think it's different than, than Eve's, but the sin of passivity, you know what I mean? Not, not just not being intentional to set an atmosphere and a tone for the garden, you know? And, um, you know, and and I think causes
0: people to feel insecure.
1: Totally. Totally. And I go like, I would, I just wonder what the story would look like if Adam, instead of, you know just kind of going with the flow and you know like i think you you wrote in the nap like i wonder or excuse me you wrote in the book like i wonder if he was laying down having a nap or something like that like it just seems like he was right there with her and yeah
0: the text actually makes it sound like he was right there with her just doing nothing
1: yeah and i go i wonder what it would look like if he said hey sweetheart like remember th- remember this is what god had for us like he said we could have anything in this garden and this is this is the one thing he said, no, I know it looks good. I know you, you want to make life better for us. This is a beautiful aspect of who you are, but we don't want to go beyond the beautiful boundary that God's put around this. You know, I wonder like if that active, that noticing, that intentional action that he would have taken in that moment, what, what that whole conversation with darkness and all that stuff that's going on simultaneously, you know, what that would yeah. look like.
0: Yeah. Well, that would have, that would have changed everything. Or if he yeah. just would have said, you're out of here, buddy. You're like, yeah. Uh, this guy's a liar Yeah, and uh, you're not welcome here in this garden. Like that's, that's, uh, that's important.
2: Mm. How
1: do you, uh, how do you encourage guys to choose today who they will become
0: tomorrow? I'm telling guys, it's one of the decisions. There's a trajectory to life. You're going to wind up being a caricature of who you're, who you are now for good or ill. Like, you know, some old people are super, saintly like they listen they're secure you're just like oh mm-hmm. man what a what a man yeah and then there's other guys that will, will they'll hit you with the shopping cart at the grocery store they're just bitter and angry like you don't decide to do that at age 70 you're not like hey i'm gonna be bitter uh, shopping cart hit guy um, yeah. and you also don't just decide i'm gonna be at peace like this is over the years and mm-hmm. i'm telling guys here's what determines that it's what you pay attention to. Yeah. That's it. That's the one thing you can actually pay is attention. And it's like, you're buying, you are paying to attend something. It's like buying a ticket to this or that mm-hmm. with your mind. And in Proverbs where it says, guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of all life. They use heart in the Bible poetically. Like it means your mind. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They don't,
0: so they don't talk about brains in the, in the Bible. Cause it, you know, that's not a medical thing at the time. Mm-hmm. Guard your mind, because it's the wellspring. Like what you put your attention to is everything. And Dallas Willard said that when I first read that he said that's that determines who you're becoming is what you're paying attention to. It's like, yeah. Oh my goodness, that's right. I never thought about it. Yeah. So so decide now who you want to become and pay attention to the things that will get you to that.
1: Oh man, that's so good. That's so good. So last but certainly not least. Take responsibility for your own spiritual journey using the R word responsibility. <laughs> Let's go.
0: Yeah. And this is, this could be a guilt trip, but it's totally not. So no, it's course. not going to be like, you better pray. Cause I, I always felt guilty. Cause I've, I've always struggled to have a good prayer life. And only in the last couple of years that I really made some good strides. It's kind mm-hmm. of embarrassing, but, um, but you know what helped was realizing because somebody had said this, and I hadn't thought about it before it was like realizing I pray because God wants to partner with me. Like he's, he's looking for partners like Abraham. He's looking for a partner like to, to work out his will. Adam and Eve were to partner with him in the world. And uh, this is what he's still looking for. Like I get yeah. to talk to him about what we're doing together. I mean, he's my Lord. I'm not in charge, but He's he's partnering with me in my work yeah in my relationships, I can talk to him about this stuff, yeah, so that really helped. The other thing I, that helped me too is find finding out that what God's really looking for isn't emotion. Mm. we can now emotions can be good for sure. The emphasis in scripture is not on emotions. that's right. It, our culture's emphasis is on our emotions, but and sometimes church culture, yeah, is on emotions, but a lot of guys can't relate to that, so we get discouraged. Mm-hmm. I'm very hyper hyperlogical and analytical. I'm not particularly emotional, so I can be like I don't feel God around. Everybody else is like I can feel God's presence in this place. Like I don't. Does that mean? Does that mean I'm a loser? Or right? But the good news is I'm not a loser. No. Whether I feel God around or not, does it change whether He's around? Mm -hmm. What God's looking for is loyalty. Yeah. And that's something a lot of us guys can go. I get it. So I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I keep falling into things. I keep having to get back up, asking. God have mercy on me, but I'm going to keep showing up every day. I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep having that conversation with him. I'm going to, I'm going to be loyal to him. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm going to do. So I'm telling guys like, no, one's going to do that for you. It's a huge opportunity to be able to pray. Uh, but that's, that is up to you, but man, what an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Don't miss it. And this loyalty thing, man, we can do that. Even though we're, we're broken and we make, we make mistakes and we're sinners like we can still keep showing up and have this relationship with him
1: yeah absolutely brand this has been an awesome conversation man i so appreciate your heart and your perspective on this and um i i hope and pray that this get this book just explodes and gets as many people's lives as possible this is such a needed message how uh how can people listening get their copy of uh the men we need
0: it's, it's at amazon or all the other places like all the book places and I'm at brandhanson.com. If anybody cool. wants to hunt me down there,
1: you're yeah. on Instagram. Are you doing the Instagram thing.
0: I am. I don't post enough. But when I do, it's usually my dog. Yeah. But I have a hard time being promotional. Oh, dude, I really tell do. Me about like, it. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh dear, I have to okay post about this. I, I'm not very good at it. I think I might I might frustrate my publisher a little bit. But, right. Yeah. Right.
1: We'll make sure we put all the links to that in in the show notes as well as to Cure International. I think what what you're partnering in there is just amazing. I want to give opportunity for people to be a part of that as well. Again, thank you so much for your time here, man. It's been a real joy and an honor just sitting down and, and talking
0: with you. My pleasure. God bless you, man. Thanks for listening to The Union Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you please email us at podcast at the union for more information. Please visit our website, the union or find us on Facebook and Instagram at the union movement.